Hi everyone, welcome back to Bearded Fruit. I first encountered the work of today's guest, Ashabi Owaboriyeye, through her Instagram account, Ace in Grace, where she provides asexuality education and empowerment with warmth, humor, authenticity, intelligence, and, as her account name suggests, an abundance of grace. Ashabi is one of my favorite ace creators out there, and since we are relaunching the podcast during Ace Week with a new mission to bring you interview episodes like this one, she was an obvious choice. Quick word about the audio. Ashabi is in Chicago. I am still getting settled into Columbus. We were trying out a new audio recording platform. The audio's got its challenges. But the conversation, in my opinion, more than survives any audio hiccups, particularly Ashabi, who throughout the conversation displayed everything she shares through Ace and Grace and more. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Ashabi Owaboriyeye is a Nigerian-American multidisciplinary artist, advocate, and organizer in the city of Chicago. As an out loud, black, androgynous, queer, asexual person, she uses her platform and voice to shed light on and normalize the experiences of asexuality and the intersections within their identities. They are the creator and curator of Ace in Grace, a space used to educate on the topic of asexuality while also uplifting black, indigenous, and other people of color within the community. Ashabi is currently studying at Roosevelt University and will be graduating in May 2023 with her master's degree in clinical and mental health counseling. She is also an NBCC 2021 Minority Fellow and has committed to continuing their education, bringing with her an emphasis on providing the most culturally competent care to her clients possible. Hi everyone, my name is Ashabi Oaburiaye and my pronouns are she and they. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. So I first discovered you and your work through your Instagram account, Ace in Grace. And I was curious to start there and find out what prompted you to start that work. I feel like a lot of things put me into that direction. First, coming out as Ace, it was very niche at the time. Most people didn't really know what that was. And it was very much during the Tumblr era of like figuring out your sexuality And that was very validating for me, but also I realized that I didn't really fit into that space because I'm sex positive, I'm black, I'm femme, all these intersectionalities that weren't really highlighted in these spaces. And I just kind of felt like, okay, well, where do I fit into all of this? And towards me finding community and finding more people, I was working in a lot of sex positive spaces that supported me and like validated my asexuality, but also didn't really let me experience that fully just yet. So when Ace and Grace happened, it was, first it came to mind during like Pride. I was walking in a lot of Chicago Prides at the time 
and I had this like really dope outfit on and everyone was like oh my god you're asexual oh my god you're so cool and I'm just like oh my gosh thank you and so like we got to this one part of the parade where it was like a line of like these black kids and everyone was like freaking out when they saw me and they saw my flag and one of the kids was like oh my gosh you're ace you're you're ace and grace I'm just like wait <laughs> that actually sounds so cool and I love that so quite literally 2019 and I think either early June or late July I created Ace and Grace and I made that space to be a place where I educate people on asexuality and be more visible about me being black and asexual and also center more people who are black indigenous and brown and POC encompassing that asexual identity. I love the work that you're doing online and I'm, I'm curious to know what your experience has been in making that work and engaging with the community not just ace folks but really everyone through this this project of creating awareness and and how do people respond to this work that you're doing it's always been a mixed bag for me in the beginning when i started it obviously people were like oh my gosh this is so cool i really love what you're doing yada 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 i'm like oh my gosh thank you so much but it was also just like very surface level, not really like going in depth with the conversations and why they understand the validity of this. It was very much like, oh yeah, we'll help you. And then there was nothing after that. It was just kind of like visibility, but no like actual support and momentum towards it. So it was a little difficult at first and a little discouraging, but also I wasn't really doing it for anyone else. I was doing it more so for me. And this is something that I did because I needed, I needed this growing up. And if other people saw this work and felt that same validity from what I'm doing, then that's all that really matters. I have a lot of friends who like make fun of me <laughs> because they think like asexuality isn't like queer. And I'm just like, I'll literally fight you if you tell me this again. And then like a few weeks later, they're like, actually, I think I am asexual. And I'm looking at them like, hmm, isn't that funny? <laughs> isn't that cute? So it's been a mixed bag. So I really like the way you describe the the account and Ace and Grace as a space to educate and uplift. And I wondered if you could talk about that using that word space and what does that mean to to you to create space, particularly for Black, Indigenous, and other people of color. I don't like the term platform because I don't think that for me, <laughs> for me being Black femme, I've been platformed all my life in different different areas, uh, oftentimes like not of my permission and consent. So me saying this is a space, I want it to be as open as possible for everyone to have a voice and for everyone's experiences to be shared. Like I'm using the space not only to validate me, but also validate everyone's voice. That space is just going to continue to grow and grow. I also don't want it to stay on like an online space <laughs> i'm using space a lot sorry but like i don't want it to stay online i want it to be something that people see and get excited to have conversations about outside of that so space for me is just like kind of like a a moment in time <laughs> kind of like just this area where people feel valid but also feel motivated to do more uh, i know that you are completing a master's in clinical and mental health counseling. And so I was interested to, to, to know how do you see that path and work that you're doing influencing the work that you do online? I don't know if you have ever had this, but like, do you ever think about 
one thing that you're really passionate about and realize that it fits into every single thing that you're doing in your life. <laughs> like, this is that. <laughs> like, this has very much been that. Like, I, like, Ace and Grace started in 2019. I got into my master's program. I thought I got into my master's program, I think it was April of 2020. So that just kind of, like, melded in together. And then, like, protests and things happened in 2020. So, like, everything just kind of, like, spiraled into each other and me doing ace and grace i didn't realize that they were gonna be like therapists and counselors looking at my work and being like oh yeah this is something that i'm lacking in understanding and i'm going to use as a resource and now i'm now i have like tons of people in that field looking at my work and being like i'm i'm so glad you have this and so look you did it i didn't realize that this was something that we were lacking in and then like more um, therapists are working towards understanding that asexuality isn't like a disorder, a sexual disorder, it's a valid identity. And like how they can word language and conversations with their clients has been very um, motivating for them and like changing for a lot of their clients too. And me, knowing that I'm going to be a therapist and I have these identities as well, I just know that, I don't know, like just being myself has been really helpful in this area. Like, I've been able to not only see the work that I've been doing affect therapists and counselors, but also I've been able to grow in that area and actually like change the minds of my professors and be like, hey, this is conversations that we should be happening. That should be, that should be happening not only in class, but also with your own colleagues. So you can actually like dismantle this idea of like harm that's occurring with asexual people. And it's just been really cool. I mean, like, right now I'm going to be presenting at like a bunch of conferences only because of Ace and Grace. And I'm just kind of like, wow, I would have never guessed that this would have aligned with everything. How and when did you come to understand yourself as asexual? What was that, that understanding like? That happened when I was 17 in high school. And I think I was looking up, I think I was on, I was on Tumblr looking up, like, I think it was asexuality or something or like something along the lines of that that brought me to the term asexuality and then I was at a party with a bunch of other queers and we went in a circle and we were like oh yeah what are you I'm a lesbian I'm bi and I said oh I'm asexual and I was like the first time ever I said that out loud and one of the girls was like oh you're the one who's asexual and she's like she goes to like another school and I'm just like Ooh, first of all, you found out about that before I even had the time to share. Second of all, thank you for validating me. <laughs> so like, it was very much a, like that moment of me being like, okay, cool. This is something that aligns with me. And that was like the jumping off point of me educating myself and finding spaces and finding more people to connect with that align with that identity. In the, the information you share with yourself up to, to describe yourself, you describe yourself as an out loud black androgynous queer asexual person. And so this is maybe like a very large question, but I was I was would really be interested to hear you talk about living at all of those intersections and what being all of those things mean to you together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Out loud. Out loud. Okay, let me start there. I'm very, very much an assertive person, and I'm very much, like, I don't want to say a talker, but, like, I am very exclamatory. I'm a very much strong in how I speak, 
and like all of the things that I say are like intentional usually they're usually intentional <laughs> but um when they when I do open my mouth I'm aware of the fact of the impact that I have so that's what I mean when I say like out loud and I'm also not afraid to like be that person so that's also how I move typically and that aligns with me being black like I'm Nigerian and that's like very much a part of the culture being like very loud and boisterous and like very much like personality and giving that and those things just like fall hand in hand with me um in regards of androgyny yeah that's like I don't I don't know if you like have heard this before but like there's a lot of discussion around like being a black woman and being non-binary and being gender fluid like all these things align and like outside of like white queerness is like that identities and those things being put in together and androgyny is also something that I've aligned with since I was very young but because that's also been like co-opted by white queers it's not something that I say out loud because most people don't understand that when I say yeah I'm a black woman but I'm also androgynous and it's like oh well how do those two things work and it's like well maybe talk to more POCs and like black women and you would understand how that works but like androgyny is also a way for me to just like feel very comfortable in me being a black woman and me being like masked some days or like me just like not expressing gender in a certain way like understanding that my gender expression doesn't have to align with what society wants it to and that's why I strongly align with that queer I think this had to happen in the last like two or three years where like the reclaiming of queer has been a been a thing and I love the word queer I think it's so (laughs) I think it's so inclusive I think it's so much fun like I love it if I'm like with a group I'm like oh my gosh look at all the cute little queers I'm not like sitting here being like oh look at all these cute little gay lesbian bye like no like queers is so encompassing it's so fun it's so familial and like I'm really glad that despite the fact that it was used in a derogatory way, like, it's one of the terms we're now using as, like, like, family, like, to be reclaimed as something that's very empowered. And I like using it a lot because it also aligns with asexuality. So I also like using it because I don't like to explain to people asexuality because it's also a way for me to just, like, avoid, (laughs) to really avoid that conversation. Because the moment somebody's like, you're asexual, Yo, I've had so many, like, if I if I wasn't in front of these people right now, this would be a fist fight, like, moments. So, like, me just saying queer, greatest way for me to diffuse the situation and just, like, move on. I, what I really, what I really appreciated about, about that is the, the embrace of, of allowing yourself to be many things and using all of those things as a description of yourself, like not limiting yourself to, well, I'm just going to be an asexual person. It's making sure that out front, we are seeing all of the parts of, of you and all of the things that make you up and the, the many lenses through which you're kind of walking through the world. I was curious if, that part of the out loud part of how you identify, how you see yourself, how has that ch- changed or shaped any of the other, other, the other identities that you inhabit or any of the other like lenses that you're sort of seeing the world through? Has being out loud changed them? Have they changed how you've experienced them? Have, has it changed how you sort of view them? Out loud has been a blessing and a curse for several reasons (laughs) because me being out loud black 
and like androgynous and femme i'll lean more into the femme part like that in itself can be seen as a stereotype for black women and that in itself can be taken advantage of in several different situations and it has been for me and during 2020 i like tapped into that shit so hard i'm just like i'm gonna organize i'm gonna get my friends together i'm gonna do all these fucking things and like make sure people are like hearing what i'm saying and hearing the importance of what i'm saying and amplifying everyone else around me so they hear what they're saying too and that really really showed me how much it, it how important it is for me to like be smart about that and like conserve my energy and like conserve the time i'm spending doing certain things because even though i know what i'm doing is important even though i know what i'm doing has a lot of value there are going to be people in my life and there have been who fully take advantage of me just like doing all those things and offer no support at all just like use me as like platform to like access other things and then discard me once i start holding them accountable and like seeing that they're not actually being helpful and they're being harmful to me and like that's happened so much and that also led me to be like a lot less quiet like a, a lot more quiet like i've taken like several breaks with ace and grace because i had to like understand and recoup with like myself and what my passion is and how i can do this more like sustainably because it was really like stressful being like so active and so present knowing that i wasn't getting the support i needed and people were just expecting me to go 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 and like 2020 was a very <laughs> radicalizing time for me because it really did show me like it's it's really it's actually very inhumane to expect like black women to just keep going and not have breaks <laughs> and to expect black women to just like keep being this like strong woman and not incorporate all other aspects of their emotional emotional stability into that it, it was just a very like it was a very radicalizing time for me so like that really showed me how I need to move forward in regards of like identifying as like out loud but like even me doing that I've noticed people who like are there to support me and are there to like actually lift me up and like hold these certain weights that I'm unable to because of like the things that I'm doing so it's been like a double-edged sword for me and like now that I'm more confident in my voice and more aware of like the impact that it has I'm still like gonna be out loud and unapologetic but I'm gonna be more conscientious about how i move forward because i gotta make sure i'm taking care of myself in the meantime so i want to shift to discussing your experience in the ace community outside of that that like the content creation space that we we share over on instagram which is like lovely it's also its own weird little world and it's it's like ace content world is very different from ace world in reality what is your your experience of navigating the community as yourself not as the content creator so in queer spaces itself when I, I mentioned this a little earlier like when i mentioned that i'm asexual it's like not taken well at all like it's been like terrible for me and there have been like people and like when i say no let me say this there have been men especially <laughs> and gay men especially who have given me the worst type of response ever, like ever, ever, ever. Like, and I'm adding this because often in spaces when I enter that, it's like black woman immediately hypersexualized. So when I say, hey, actually I'm asexual, they look at me with like 10, like I have 10 heads, like, 
oh, but you're like so hot. You're so attractive. You don't look asexual. You don't dress sexual. And like when I tell you, Cody, I want to fucking fight everyone. <laughs> like it's not a joke. I get so frustrated. I'm just kind of like, why are you immediately putting me in a box the moment you meet me? And why are you expecting me to just keep a smile on my face in the meantime while you're invalidating my entire existence (laughs) doing so? Like, it's not, it's very inhumane. And I've honestly, like, taken a step back from, like, being in a lot of queer spaces because they're not really safe for me. It's not really something that I feel comfortable navigating in. And I used to by myself a lot. So, like, that shift has been, like, has been very, like, unfortunate for me because I've also found a lot I found a lot of community in those spaces too aside from the people who've been like disgusting and like derogatory towards me but like in me being able to find those like people in, in community I've also been able to like hang out with them outside of those like club spaces and like overly queer spaces so it's been really good for me to like find those people who actually care about my identities and can have conversations around that too so you mentioned before um you mean you talked a really briefly a little bit before about how you know going to meetups but it's a predominantly white space and that is true of really every space that sort of exists for ace folks um that's including the digital space too even our content creation space is mostly dominated and most of the space is held by white content creators and while some of our communities like most visible, and I really love this, some of our most visible and most powerful voices right now, like Yasmin and Angela Chen with her book Ace, are not white voices. The majority still are. And so for, for someone who's listening who has not maybe thought about these issues before, I want to like to talk about like how does that, how does the dominance of whiteness in the Ace community impact people who move the world, move through the world like you? Uh, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color in the community? How does that impact your experience in the ACE community? I think, I mean, okay, (laughs) I can speak on, like, several of those identities, but, like, in regards of, like, me personally, I think of it as, like, bottom-up thought. So, like, how do Black women navigate white spaces? And then add identities on top of that. So how does a Black asexual woman navigate spaces that are primarily like white centered and that's just like a conversation I have to have with myself and other people daily (laughs) because it is very exhausting to be very vocal about these things and know that you're right know that the things that you're saying are are facts (laughs) and also know that somebody who is white can say exactly what you're saying and be uplifted immediately kind of like negating your work essentially and a lot of the times I see that and it's very frustrating it's very disheartening it's kind of like well should I even be doing this anymore like do people actually care about the fact that this is a very vulnerable thing for like black women to be doing consistently and a lot of the times I sit with myself and I'm just kind of like okay this is really important work and you're so passionate about it that you might feel like you are not being supported in the way that you are. So let's take a break. Let's take a step back and figure out other ways that you can feel supported while not putting yourself in this position anymore. So that's also why I take like lots of breaks from Ace and Grace because it's not <laughs> sustainable to like be in that position all the time and like 
not have support all the time. And that's also why I go back to Ace and Grace. So I know that despite the fact that I take a break, there's always going to be that community there to support me, regardless of whether I feel frustrated or like, like disheartened or anything. Like there's always going to be that space. That's why, that's why I love that space so much. That's why I made it. And like, even though it is primarily white, there are so many times where like there are people who aren't white that come up to me and have told me like your space has really been transformative for me and has really like put me in a place of like understanding who I am. And I'm going to share this because <laughs> my one of my friends invited me to a party and she's not, she's an ace, but she's Nigerian and she is um, queer as well. And she like came and she, she invited me to a party and she was telling me about like her parents and how like she came out to her parents. And I was really like confused. I'm just like, wait, I thought your parents already knew that about you. And she was like, no, they, my siblings did, but they, they didn't know. And like, I just want to let you know, like, <laughs> sorry, I want to let you know that like, you're the reason why I came out to them. Like, you're the reason why... <laughs> I shared that with them. And like, when I tell you, the party stopped because I was crying so hard. <laughs> like that, I, w- I would have never expected in my entire life that that my work would make that kind of impact, especially in like Nigerians. It's life or death if you come out as queer. And for them to feel that level of confidence from my work to do that and live in their truth, that will supersede my feelings of white people taking over shit. White people have been normalized in like the face of like everything for so long and like more black people, more brown people, more indigenous people are coming out and like sharing their experiences and allowing more people to have those transformative like changes in their life. Like that's something that honestly motivates me to keep going regardless (laughs) of like white people fucking shit up I don't care like it's just like it's just it's just so like it's it's a very like wow like this is so much bigger than me I I am a very big fan of what you do and I think you're going to hear more stories from people like that the longer that you create this project because I find what you're doing is it is it is authentically you and it comes from such a warm generous open place and you project as such a warm, generous, open person uh, with, with all the parts of yourself. And, and that it is impossible for that to not impact people and inspire them to also try to do that in their lives. So, I mean, I feel like the, 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 there's infinite possibility for you to continue to like change people's entire worlds just by being yourself and doing the work you do. You've mentioned it a couple times, and I want to, because I, I, as a, as a person in the content creation space, I feel this too. I, you've mentioned rest and self-care, of finding time to take a rest or to step away. And I was just curious, like, what does, what does that look like for you? Whenever you do step away from the hard work, what does rest and, and rejuvenation look like for you? Ooh, you know, I've had to actually figure out what that is for me because I didn't realize that I wasn't actually doing it productively and like I'm gonna refer back to 2020 because it was a very (laughs) life-changing like time for me but like it really did show me 
that I was not taking appropriate measures to take care of myself. Like it forced me to like sit down and just like do nothing. And like in me doing nothing, I was able to like find community, find friends that I could connect with, find other people that I wanted to connect with and like have conversations that really made me feel fulfilled and like seen. So like, that's a way that I also get rest, like having conversations with like new people, having conversations with old people and like, Honestly, like, even though I take time away from Ace and Grace, I'm always thinking about, like, ways that I can, like, redo it or ways that I can, like, amplify certain topics I haven't talked about. So, like, when I'm not on it, I'm like, okay, cool. What's what's something that I feel like I could have learned when I was growing up and something that other people can learn from, too? So I think about that as well. And I also, like, read a lot of content from, like, Ace... Ace, not only Ace creators, but, like, journals. And, like, since I have access to that from school still, I'm, like, looking at a bunch of journals and, like, articles written about asexuality. That's been very helpful. Um, Going on walks, watching a lot of anime, watching a lot of (laughs) YouTube and Let's Players, um, talking to friends on the phone, FaceTiming, mindless scrolling on TikTok, um, painting, um, trying to, like, shoot more and, like, photograph more and, like, be more like into my creative side as well because it's also been something that I've been lacking in since like pandemic happened it's just been like a lot of things and like different little bits that make me feel fulfilled for the day and make me feel excited to keep going and like doing more work in other areas too you mentioned photography you are a photographer what drew you to the camera where did where did that part of your of your passion come from so um that started um, actually it started around the time that I came out so like seven no actually okay (laughs) so 17 I came out started modeling and then I started working with this other photographer who was awful like awful 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 but he gave me shit so like it was I, I guess fine so like he like gave me a starter camera and I used that to like shoot a bunch of stuff and it also put me in a position to like like readjust how I modeled my work so like if I wasn't modeling I would take a concept from the model from the shoot that I wanted of myself and apply it to somebody else so I was doing a lot of that and like whenever I went to Nigeria I'd also shoot when I was there too so it's a lot of like ways for me to like express my creative outlets and just like see people in a way that I want to see them in a way that they like to be seen but also photograph people in a way that they wouldn't have seen themselves otherwise so it's been like a lot of that and a lot of that has been fun for me and I also have like a ton of cameras I like collect (laughs) cameras so like right now I have like I have a uh, Nikon but I also have like a little two little mini like point and shoots and I also have um, a camcorder that I take with me everywhere and I've been using that and I've been recording literally every single person every single event every single thing since like April of 2021 and I haven't looked back at it at all. I feel like it's one of those things that like with the point and shoot and and stuff like it's one of the like those are like things that don't need immediate access. Like I have a phone and I take I take pictures on my phone like I obsessively take pictures so I can always look back at stuff but like with those things it's like a bit of nostalgia it's like wow where what, what was I doing in like 2021 when I was like 27 28 29 and like I don't have the ability to like just up to like look at it all the time and honestly I don't want to because I think that would just 
remove the like excitement that I would have if I looked at it like five years on the line. Plus like being able to have like a little time capsule is just like so cool to me. And maybe one day if I have like the time and space, I plan on like doing a little like video montage and like having all my friends over and be like, remember when we were like at this party and we did all these things? Like this is so cool. So it's been like really fun to have like those creative outlets for me. You also mentioned that you like anime and like I've, I have a little bit of an anime knowledge because of my husband. So like he's made me watch uh, um, uh, Full, Metal, Full Metal Alchemist and a bunch of like the horror ones. Like uh, I watched Another, which was really great and um, uh, Psychopaths. So and then I like weirder stuff like Assassination Classroom. We've watched together. So I'm not I don't think any of that is impressive knowledge in any kind of way. But like what what do you love about anime what makes you excited about anime okay so (laughs) someone mentioned that anime is like a form of escapism and i absolutely hate that they did that because it absolutely is (laughs) a form of escapism and i'm just kind of like wow but it's like like i've been watching and i've been an anime connoisseur since my wee wee childhood years (laughs) and it's been so fun being able to like be a part of like different eras of like growth in anime and seeing how each story has developed from like an original point like it's just been so cool to see the development of it and like there's just like so many different ways you can just be so in tuned and engrossed with the stories that are being shared and it's also a great way to like see aspects of yourself without actually like being super attached to that person because it's like it's animation it's not like real but like if you're also like me I feel like you have a slight attachment to like 2d men so like that's also something that (laughs) that's also something you got a problem with because Jujutsu Kaisen and Nanami and Toji just like you know I When Toji gets animated, it's over for you hoes. All the men, pack up your fucking bags. I... <laughs> and there's going to be no competition. It's just going to be so bad for them. But, like, it's <laughs> it's been, like, great. It's been, like, a great way to also connect with other people. Like, I have met so many random people through, like, just being like, hey, do you watch Tokyo Ghoul? Yes. Okay, let's be friends. And, like, we end up having this, like, long-lasting friendship based off of this one interaction with this one anime that came out. So it's been a great, great experience. (laughs) The way you talk about anime is the way I talk about horror. And, like, that, especially that last bit, like, all it takes is for me to connect with one person who likes the same horror movie I do, and we're friends forever. So thank you for, thank you. This has been the most lovely conversation. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for sharing yourself and thank you for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us. It is deeply, deeply appreciated. Aw, thank you so much for having me, Cody. This has been so fun and so great. I'm going to talk about this all the time. I'm going to talk. Thank you for listening to Bearded Fruit. 
You can find Ashabi on Instagram at underscore ace in grace underscore and on the web at www.ashabio.com. That's A-S-H-A-B-I-O.com. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter at AceDadAdvice, and on the web at AceDadAdvice.com. If you want more of our conversation, as well as some other bonus asexuality content, including live hangouts, access to our Discord, and other cool stuff, become a patron at patreon.com slash AceDadAdvice. And as always, if you dig what we're doing, leave a review or share the podcast with friends. Friends don't let friends podcast alone. See you next time.